Hallelujah. In my church, when I say hallelujah, then God's people says, Amen, with a loud voice, with a thrilled joy. All right? Could you stand up for call to worship? And let's practice again. Hallelujah. <laughs> now there are variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are variety of activities in ministry. To each is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. Grant us your spirit, O God, and inspire our worship. Almighty and loving God, we love you. We love you so much, and we know you love us. We thank your grace you have called us to this time and the place to be your servant people as we follow our servant, Lord Jesus Christ. Especially, we thank you for calling of Danny and his family and have an installation service today. Make your Holy Spirit move within and among us that together we may live a new life in the crucified and the risen Christ. Bind us together in faith so that as we receive all spiritual gifts needed to fulfill our calling, we may support one another in common ministry through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
brothers and sisters, please be seated. First Columbus Saints and Saints of Columbus, it is a delight to welcome you here to the installation of Danny Deep. An installation is an act of your presbytery. It's an act where we celebrate the call of God on Danny's life in partnership with this congregation and the broader church, your Flint River Presbytery. So welcome and let us worship God. Friends, hear these words from the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome. Love from the center of who you are, don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil, hold on for dear life to good. Don't quit in hard times, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everything. Friends, let us confess our sin together, noticing the ways in which we are blind to the beauty within and the beauty around us. Let us confess with ample silence that we may rest in grace. Let us pray first silently. And let us pray together. Merciful and loving God, you have called us to be your people and claimed us for the service of Jesus Christ. We confess that we have not lived up to our calling to proclaim the good news in word and deed. We are quick to speak when we ought to listen and remain silent when it is time to speak. We put too much faith in our own actions and fail to trust the strength of your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, forgive our foolish and sinful ways. Strengthen us anew to follow Christ. Friends, hear these words of hope from the prophet Isaiah. I, your God, have a firm grip on you, and I am not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. Forget about what has happened. Don't keep going over old history. I'm about to do something brand new. Don't you see it. Friends, these words of the prophet remind us that we are a forgiven people made new in Jesus Christ with eyes wide open to the wonder that is all around us. Let us respond to God's goodness with joy and let us sing our praises together. We are forgiven. Please be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, 
we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Our Old Testament scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, and a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. It's the word of God for the people of God. Our offering this morning is being collected for the benefit of the four campus ministries of the Flint River Presbytery, of which I have a soft spot for one, the Abbey. If the ushers come forward.
Let's bow our heads and bless the offering. Dear God, I want to thank you for those who gave to these great causes. We want to thank you for those who had not but wanted to give. And God, we ask that you bless those who are charged with using these offerings to your honor and glory. For all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Our second scripture lesson comes today from the book of Acts, fourth chapter, 23rd through the 31st verse. And I'll be reading to you from the New Revised Standard Version. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth? the sea, and everything in them. It is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak to your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. This has been the reading of the word from God's word. May his people be blessed by the hearing. One of the first things that many people who are studying for the ministry are told is not to get so caught up in your own feelings about preaching the particular sermon you're going to preach or this day that you are preaching or even who is in the congregation that you forget that your whole purpose is to preach God's word. And that if you veer from that, you're sort of sinning. Well, for one moment, I'm going to sin boldly. Because in my experience, of, of my wonderful privileges of being moderator of our denomination in the past, of working with many, many young people and older people as they've gone through their process of, of determining their calls. Um, I've had glorious times to see and share times and experiences with them and with you as a congregation here. Some would say my time here earlier may not have been so glorious, but indeed, for me, it was a time that I got to see the love and the spirit that was involved in so many of your own lives as you were seeking the ways to understand God's call. And equally, my knowledge of Danny Deeth and of Vicki Caro Deeth and their families has lasted for many, many years. And so I stand before you today to say, quite honestly, this is one of the holiest moments of my life. And it is a privilege and honor to be here and share God's word. You've just heard the um, scripture passage from Acts where we're called to speak boldly. So listen for a while as I share with you some of thoughts about what that could mean. It was just another day in the life of a young man in Richmond, Virginia, who was working in the mailroom of a major corporation helping to pay his way through university. He was recently engaged to be married but in his senior year and focused on a life to be, a life that he felt at that stage could be filled with love and success, adventure and happiness. He felt valued and appreciated, loved, and that nothing much could stop him from achieving whatever goals he might set for himself. While he was at work that one day, another young man about the same age went to the Office of Human Resources of that same major world-known corporation and applied for a job. 
Unlike the first guy who was white, this young man was black, and we are speaking in the year of 1966. And he was filled with anxieties and apprehensions as he went in to apply. Would he be rejected one more time because of his lack of education and inexperience? Would his not having nice new clothes in which to be interviewed detract from his desire to work hard and prove himself as a competent employee? Would he be turned away yet again and have to go find some place to work where he could be seen as fully human, not just as a black boy, as so many called him, even though he was 22 years old and because of his life experiences, he was much older. He was no boy. When he reached the human resources office, they asked if he could name any other employee in that organization who might be willing to serve as a reference. He named the young white guy because they had lived across the country road from one another when they were boys, and he and his dad had been farmhands for the white boy's family. Following the interview, the white boy was called by the HR office and told that he'd been named as a reference for a job applicant and gave the name. He was surprised because there'd been no contact between them during the past 10 years or more, and he literally ran up two flights of stairs to get to that office, hoping to catch him before he left and see him again. As boys, they had not let race be a barrier, even though it was for their families. And they had been great friends playing basketball together and, be, and, and one boy, the white boy sneaking the black boy into his home and room to play board games. But the applicant had left, and the other guy was not successful in finding him in the parking lot. The young black boy was named David Lawrence Winston, and I was the white boy. I vowed to be intentional and reach out to him. I established in my mind that I would go to the HR office and, and find out what his address was, affirm him as the good person I knew him to be as a kid, and I'd keep on finding ways to do that. And I'm in it. And in the early 1960s, that act was uh, a little bit out of the ordinary. But what wasn't out of the ordinary was not what I did. I just kept putting it off. Not intentionally, maybe even worse, just forgetting. It was as if it didn't matter, and that was so untrue. I loved David Lawrence. He had been my best friend. Yet the thought that I could possibly make a difference in his life by reconnecting with him just didn't fit into my thinking. And it was over a year later that I read his obituary in the newspaper. He had died in jail. And I had never spoken up for him or tried to find him in life. He had died in jail, and I don't know who had been there for him. Nor do I know if possibly my speaking out could have done anything to alter the course of his life when he named me as a reference. For what is decent and right, we often don't always step out of our comfort zones and do what is representative of our faithfulness. And I didn't do that. Our passage today speaks of two of Jesus' disciples going through one of the challenging times when they had tried to present our Lord to others. Because of their comments, they were arrested by the Sanhurans, Sanhedrins and put into jail. Once they were released, as our scripture verses from today tell us, they went back to their own people and said and reported all that had been said to them words which would have caused them to have to deny the teachings that they had learned from our Lord. And they prayed, saying, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And they went on to say that Herod and Pontius Pilate had joined with the Gentiles and people of Israel to conspire against Jesus, whom God had appointed. As so often happens to each of us when we're confronted with the opportunity to speak up, to be bold, they were filled with questions and concerns about what next steps they should take. Unlike me, they listened and acted upon their beliefs. They asked of the Lord, please consider the threats of these people who are conspiring against Jesus and enable your servants, meaning themselves and other followers of Christ, to speak your words with great boldness. Great boldness. Do you hear the weight of those words? 
They were being asked to go forth and be bold in the name of the Lord. And then they asked that God stretch out God's hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of God's holy servant, Jesus. The biblical story concludes by saying, after they prayed, the place where there was meet, they were meeting was shaken, likely some type of earthquake, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Today, my friends, is the day when you and I are being called upon in many ways as never before to speak boldly to our world. Speaking boldly is an act of courage. It can also be used as, as a way for us to be judgmental or for abuse or for self-serving our ego needs, which we all have. Speaking boldly must be done carefully. Let's look at our nation, a place so separated right now by uh, untruths or misunderstandings and racial divisions and, and all kinds of separations that we are all in a quandary as to how we get out of this mess. Whether we consider ourselves conservative or liberal, Republicans or Democrats, or maybe none of the above, as a society, our impatience with those who think differently than we do is at an all-time high. I don't know about you, but my extended family has decided that at our family gatherings, we won't discuss politics anymore. We have learned that the feelings run so deep that if someone is questioned about his or her reasoning on political matters, it's a cause either for a very major argument or for some of the group to decide to depart earlier than planned. How tragic. I remember as a boy that my dad and his brothers would have great arguments about politics. Then, after they had exhausted all of their sides on the issue, they would switch sides. They actually did, and they loved the challenge of trying to persuade each other to think differently and to come out on the other side. Now, they stood by their beliefs, but they thought that the opportunity to persuade one another would allow broader thinking and understanding. In some ways, being in a military town, you are even more prone to the divisions of our nation. Being loyal to both country and our fellow men and women takes on a deeper meaning in light of so many circumstances. It's your church and also the neighbors and members who are going to fight in Afghanistan or to bolster the southern border of our country. It's you who logically and loyally support our nation and help hold our flag high and stand up for the Star-Spangled Banner but it's also you who are called upon to protect the rights of those who protest the war, who resist the walk and the wall, or who kneel when our national anthem is played, or, or even in your own way to do your duty while peacefully disagreeing with some of the positions taken. And that is hard. That is hard for any of us. For you, speaking boldly with love, patience and compassion offers different and even more complex challenges. And yet, this is what we are being asked to do. Dare we? Might we? Should we equip ourselves in new ways to be able to look and study and understand what is happening in people's minds so that as we respond to them, we are able to say unequivocally that we understand what God is calling us to say? and then go out and speak boldly. I was taught as a child that it was my Christian duty, not just a citizenship issue, to vote every time the polls were open. I was told that I could and should study the issues carefully and understand what it was that I was voting about, who I was voting for, and why I was given the privilege to vote. In recent elections on all sides, it seems, accusations and examples of wrongdoings have been so evident as to discount their validity and possibly to even prove that what the results were are correct on both sides. And again, I'm not speaking to defend one position or another here today, 
But I'm asking, do we chalk that up to politics and, under, and ignore the underlying cancer that's eating away at our civil society? And do we say that this is just an issue where church and state shouldn't get involved together? We should keep them separated, and there's biblical truth to that. We are told to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but we are also told that we have a responsibility to be bold in speaking out to our society and community. Are we sure that our position is the one God wants us to take? Finally and significantly, the reason I say that today is a new day to begin to speak boldly is related to this church. I speak of not only this congregation right this second, but also the entire Christian church, the, the many mainline denominations, those that are evangelical, those that are our, the PCUSA or the ECHO or the um, EPC and the PCA. Many of you are aware that I had the opportunity to be here in the midst of this congregation's discernment relative to what it should do about remaining in the PCUSA denomination or leaving it. For th and for three hours, I held court in, the, in, in your fellowship hall being asked questions concerning a variety of matters about our denomination. Many people gathered to seriously seek answers, and some spoke openly and boldly about what the believers, what they believed the church was called to be. As is so often the case with us as sinful human beings, there were people there on both sides who had an agenda and who felt they knew what the answer to, was to be. And they were very disciplined in the manner in which they asked questions, but also in the manner in which they talked and, and discussed with me. They spoke boldly on one side of the argument or the other. And I found both love and judgment coming forth and thought, what's the difference when we're called to speak boldly? Why is this group's speaking boldly sounding like it's appropriate, and this group speaking boldly out of their belief seeming so inappropriate? And it came to me, as it would obviously come to all of us, that we were looking at issues of times when judgment and our own self-serving desires were becoming increasingly important as opposed to what we believe God was calling us to do. All of us are guilty of that. And I know that for many of you here today, you spoke boldly for your beliefs, and that's one reason that you are here at this time. But that was then, and this is now. If we return to the scripture reading today, that was when many were asking questions about how they could proclaim the faith boldly, God had led them to and, and not be resigned to public images, to shallow understandings or even personal fears or of, of attack. And if we read it carefully, we see that this passage is not one to harp on the injustices or wrongdoings from the past. Instead, it's a call to move forward, to be bold, to make a difference today and for tomorrow. So dear ones, we are joined as one body today to celebrate the next stage in the history of this great and remarkable church. You have provided leaders and many resources for our denomination over the years. You have been a bright light in transforming the lives of many individuals. And I have no doubt that that's going to continue. Will you bemoan not still enjoying the good old days when the church was larger and growing faster? Unfortunately, there are some formerly great churches, both large and small, who have decided that's where they're going to spend their energy, feeling sorry for themselves. They have shriveled and many are dying. But others are flourishing and being bold they're carrying forth Jesus' word in new and exciting ways that are going to make a difference. Will you be able to turn your own desires over and do what our passage says that Peter and John asked God to do? Listen, stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, God might use our hands as an extension and be asking us to reach out and heal. For just a moment, close your eyes and place your hands face down on your knees or in your lap. Just for a moment. 
Close your eyes and breathe. Now, turn your hands, make sure your hands are turned downward, facing the floor or on your knees. And slowly begin to turn your hands upward so that the palm of your hands are facing the ceiling. And just relax and breathe deeply. Allow yourself to feel the power of the Holy Spirit as it enters your body through your hands, providing you with the assurance and love, the forgiveness and gratitude which you have been promised. Now open your eyes and, and look at me. Look me in the eye. I can't do that with each one of you simultaneously, but I am in my mind and in my heart. And I say to you, as the scripture says, today, you special child of God, be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak the word of God boldly. You, dear child of God, individually and corporately, can bring about amazing changes if you but use this time to recommit yourself to speak the word boldly, but speak it with love, not negatively, and use compassion, not using selfish judgment. Speak it carefully. This, my friends, is your charge. This is your duty. And if you don't do it, who will? Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Let us uh, remember our wonderful uh, baptism. The through Ezekiel, uh, God says, I will sprinkle clear water upon you, and you shall be clean. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Please join me in the remembering of our wonderful baptism as we join together in the profession of faith in printed in the bulletin. As God calls some to particular forms of ministry, God called us all to bear gladly the yoke of Christ given in the covenant of baptism. Let us therefore reaffirm our baptismal vow, renouncing all that oppose God and God's rule and affirm the face of a holy Catholic Church. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the way of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? Let's give thanksgiving for baptism. Gracious and eternal God, with joy, we give you thanks and praise. We praise you for leading your people, Israel, through the word of the sea, out of a bondage of into freedom in the land of your promise. We praise you for sending Jesus Christ, Son, who for us was baptized in the waters of the Jordan and was anointed as the Christ by Holy Spirit. Though through the baptism of his death and resurrection, you set us free from the bandage of sin and death and give us cleansing and rebirth. By your Holy Spirit, renew us 
that we may be empowered to do your will and continue forever in the risen life of Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all glory and honor now and forever. Amen. Remember your baptism and be thankful in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Danny. Yes. In baptism, you are claimed by the love of God, clothed in the grace of Jesus Christ, and anointed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to share in Christ's mission in the world. Now you are called by God through the voice of the church for new service and ministry in Jesus' name. In accordance with the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church USA, show your commitment to this calling by responding to these questions. Do you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in our confessions as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do, and will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? I do, and I will. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? I will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will. Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? God's help, I will. Do you promise to further the peace the unity and the purity of the church. I will. Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and great love? Absolutely, I will, with God's help. Will you be a faithful minister of word and sacrament, proclaiming the good news, teaching faith, and caring for people Will you be active in the government and discipline, serving the councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and the justice of Jesus Christ? Absolutely, I will. Thanks be to God. If it is your will, Please answer affirmatively. Do we, the members of First Presbyterian Church, accept Danny as our pastor, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we agree to pray for him, encourage him to respect his decisions, and to follow as he guides us, serving Jesus Christ who alone is the head of the church. I invite all ordained pastors, elders, and deacons to gather around Danny 
for the laying on of hands. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and eternal God, with joy we give you thanks and praise. Throughout the ages and in every place you have chosen servants from among your people to point the way to salvation by your grace. We are grateful for ancestors in the faith who followed without fear, placing their trust in you alone. Above all, we praise you for Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to set others free. Anointed by your Holy Spirit, he proclaimed your reign on earth, revealing your saving love in all he said and did. Lord, we pray that you would give Danny a spirit of truthfulness that he may proclaim your word in Christ from pulpit, table, and font, and in the words and actions of daily living. By the power of your Holy Spirit, empower him to build up the church, to strengthen the common life of your people, and to lead with compassion and vision. Lord, we also pray for First Presbyterian Church. Pour out your spirit of power and truth upon them and upon all in Flint River Presbytery, that we may be for you a holy people, baptized to serve you in the world. So saying this and all churches in ministry, ground us in the gospel, secure our hope in Christ, strengthen our service to the outcast and increase our love for one another. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Danny, you are now spiritually and officially installed as the pastor of First Presbyterian Church. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Amen. Let us now take a moment to welcome Danny as the installed pastor at First Presbyterian. PCUSA. Danny, I'm going to ask you to stand back up again. Just a short rest, that's all you get. And I'm honored to deliver the charge to you this day. Danny, as a Christian, you have been called to do everything you can so that others may know of God's will for their lives. But remember, you have not been called to do everything. Specifically, you have been called to be a husband, a father, and the pastor of First Presbyterian Church. But one of these things is not like the other. You are the only husband that Vicki has. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for confirmation. Remember that. You are the only father that Ellie and Abby have. Remember that. And yes, you are the only pastor that First Presbyterian has, but 
You are not called to be the church on your own. God has gifted you with a wonderful congregation to work with, as in alongside of. But there are other things that you need to remember. Of course, there are the things that you as a pastor can do alone. There are certain jobs that belong to the pastor. So be mindful of those. But there are other things, other things that members of the session and the congregation are just as able to do. So be mindful of those. Should there ever be a time when the responsibilities and expectations are all beginning to run together, it's in that time that I hope you will remember that you have colleagues in the presbytery who share a similar calling. Do not be afraid to call on us. The honor and responsibility of ministry is never one to be carried all alone. God gives us strength when we pray and work and discern God's will together. So do everything that you are called to do. And never let yourself believe that you are called to do everything because only God can be trusted with everything. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Beloved saints, we are all part of God's vast salvation story, a saw-toothed history which is full of ups and downs, dark shadows, and shining light. So for a moment, I invite you to pause, to take several moments to look around this holy space. to savor the beauty of its architecture, but especially to look around and savor the beauty of its people. So look around for a minute. Next, I invite you to remember all that has brought pain and to give thanks for the ways in which God redeems the past and so paves the way for a future laced with grace. May we commit to living a new and more excellent way that the pain of the past will never be repeated. Amen. Let us give thanks for the steadfast love of the Lord, a love that endures forever. And as we pause and give thanks for that steadfast love, I offer this charge to all of you, brothers and sisters in Jesus, whom I have grown to know and to love. So I invite you to take this charge in your bulletin and read it with me. It's printed so that you may take it home with you, put it on your refrigerators as a visual reminder to pray for each other, to pray for your city, and to give witness to the ways in which the body of Jesus, this body of Jesus, has changed your life. It's not so much about inviting someone to church at first. It's about giving testimony to the way that God has changed your life. So let's be charged together. Let us read together. First Columbus Saints, I charge you to communicate with compassion, conviction, and clarity. To open your doors and your hearts to let love lead and laugh loudly and often, to unfetter your fears, make room for Jesus, the bread of life, 
be bread and salt and yeast and light. Unify around God's mission for your congregation. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Savor silence and share stories of salvation. So friends, strive to do all this. Be a people of courageous conversations. Choose love, particularly when it is uncomfortable to do so. Choose love, knowing that it leaves no room for fear. Choose love, which forgives and frees. And these actions, these choices will enlarge our hearts together and make more and more room for Jesus. So remember that when we make more room for Jesus, we will be fed precisely so that we may be sent as God's missionaries. So be delightful, diverse, and diligent missionaries. Choose joy, be grateful, choose joy again and leaven the world with light. Leaven the world with light. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn. You will find that also on the other side of your insert. I'd first like to thank the Academy for this award. <laughs> I do want to thank God. Thank God for my new family here at First. At First Presbyterian, my colleagues, Tom and the choir, thank you all. All of you, my new family. All of you from within the Presbytery who took time to come 
and be a part of this celebration today. I'm thankful for each of you. My staff colleagues, thank you. I thank God for each of you. My family, my wife, my girls, for Heath, Bob and Pat Tuttle, members of my family that represent my parents. My dad died a week ago Thursday. The last year of his life, he wanted to make it to this installation. And there was no chance bodily. But today we celebrate his spiritual presence, that he is home with Christ and I am thankful, I love you dad, for his spiritual presence here and my earthly father, parent, mother, God. I am so thankful for the calling placed not only in my life, but all of us together. For this is a journey that we take together. No one alone, but all of us called as partners. So let us go from this place with a new sense of our renewed life with Christ, our renewed passion to spread his word, his light, and his grace. Go forward and speak boldly that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And may God's Holy Spirit fill your heart, surround your life, transform you from the inside out, give you every good gift that you need to go and be a bearer of his light in this world. Hallelujah. Amen.